You're listening to audio recorded at Mount Air First Christian Church. For more resources or to contact us, look us up at www.mountairfirstchristianchurch.org. This morning we're going to look at, and I invite you to get out your uh, Bible and turn with me to Philippians chapter 4. We're going to be having a little homily here on Philippians chapter 4, verses 9 through 13. I've got my my giant paper Bible. Uh, Jana calls this my baby Bible. It's a little pocket Bible, but it's it's handy for me to have around. So I got my little baby Bible, my pocket Bible, and we're going to Philippians chapter 4, uh, verses 9 through 13. Philippians chapter 4, excuse me, that should be verses 10 through 13. I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Grass withers, the flower fades, and the word of our God stands forever. So there are literally countless things that we could talk about during this time of crisis. There's great pressure to have all of the right words. I mean, I to, to, to say all the right things that are going to make the difference in the lives of people. I think that this is as much as I uh, do work hard to, to have something to say on a Sunday morning, it's almost like amplified because there is so much going on in our, in our world around us right now. And so uh, there's this expectation that, that really it's, it's nearly impossible to live up to. I'm not a medical professional. I'm not an informed official. I listen to the same news that everyone else listens to, but that doesn't mean that the Christian has is, is without something to say. At First Christian Church, we are dedicated to being a gospel-centered people. Um, this is a conscious decision. It's not that we have nothing else to be about, but we are making a conscious decision to be a gospel-centered people. It's not because we can't think of anything else to talk about, um, but it's because there is nothing better to talk about than the gospel. And there's nothing that has greater impact than the gospel. This is the message that is making the most difference, This is, is the gospel. It's not that we can't think of anything else. It is that there is nothing better to talk about than the gospel. What We are a gospel-centered people, not because we cannot think of anything else to talk about, but because there is nothing better to talk about and nothing that has a greater impact to talk about. What you and I need in every moment of every day, no matter how good, no matter how bad, no matter how just mundane and regular, what we need more than anything is to hear the good news of who God is 
what he has done for sinners in desperate need of rescue. Mm -hmm. So the reality is that there is a, a bigger judgment, no matter what's going on, there is a bigger judgment on the way for each of us. Now, I know that right now, coronavirus, COVID-19 seems like some sort of great big looming uh, judgment reality, re judgment day that's coming, but it, it isn't. The, the worst thing that coronavirus can do is kill you. It's the worst thing that it can do. It's far worse. It's far worse to die and find yourself at war with God and under his eternal judgment. If this season of, of social distancing and global pandemic does nothing else for you but raise your awareness of your distance from God, maybe even your war with God, then good. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And now what the good news does, the good news of the gospel comes and declares to each one of us when we find ourselves in that position under the judgment of God in sin, running from God, running away from him, it comes to us and declares to each one of us facing the seriousness of death and judgment before God, it comes to us with a promise of life that will not end. It's what Jesus says in John chapter 6, verses 35 through 40. He says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up at the last, raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. That's one of the wildest promises of Scripture. Just we read over it so often there in John chapter 6. But this promise from Jesus that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him Everyone looking upon Jesus and believing in him will have eternal life and Jesus will raise him up on that last day. We are gospel people at First Christian Church because there is no better message and there is no more impactful message than the gospel of grace. That reality, the hope, the, the powerful message of the gospel is what is put on display at the end of Paul's letter in the book of Philippians that we looked at. Paul says famously there in chapter 4, verse 13, I can do, he can do all things through God who strengthens him. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. But the natural question that we then ask is, what are the all things that Paul has in mind? What are these all things that he has in mind? And we could sit around and we could speculate on what he means. We could try to think of, you know, what's he actually referring to when he says these all things. But we don't have to wonder because he tells us specifically what the all things that he has gone through in, in chapter in chapter four, chapter four, verse uh, 11. He says, not that I have verse 12. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound 
in any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. He, he, he lays out the spectrum of things that he has had to go through. He says that whether he is brought low or abounding, whether he's facing plenty or hunger, if he's living in abundance or he's living in need, these are all things that he is considering. And Paul is saying that no matter what the circumstance he is in, he can walk through them because Christ strengthens him. But there's even more to notice, okay? So he says there's, there's the gamut of things that he can go through that will that Christ can strengthen him, him, him in. But at the beginning of that section in verse 11, he says, not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content, content. That's an attitude that just I want to pay attention to because the reality is most of us can survive the things that we go through. I mean, we, we survive all kinds of things, all kinds of life circumstances. We could go around the, the church crowd and everyone talk about the tragedies, the difficulties they've lived through, and we've survived, and then we've survived all sorts of things. But what about our contentment as we go through them? Paul is saying that, yes, in these all things and the, the abundance and need and the, all, the, all the, the range of difficulties that, that come in this life, he's speaking of being content in the midst of them. In the swinging highs and lows of life, he has learned how to be content in every situation, how to be in every situation and to be content while he's in them. He can do all these things because Christ has strengthened him. But then we naturally got to ask, what is this strengthening? What is this strengthening that Christ gives to Paul? And it's clear that it isn't just a strengthening of Paul so that he can change his circumstance. Sometimes I think that's what we, we, how we apply Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And so God strengthens me and then I'm able to change the circumstance. And that's the help that God gives is that what I really need is for my circumstances to change. So I say, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, and then God then strengthens me so that I can change my circumstance to have life be the way that I want it to be. That's not at all what Paul is talking about. Flip back in Philippians to chapter 1. Remember, Paul is in prison writing this letter. He's The opening of this chapter, he's writing to emphasize to the Philippians his rejoicing, even in the midst of his difficulty. It's a rejoicing that exists because he says in this verses 18 uh, through 26, Paul says the end of verse 18, yes, and I will rejoice for I know that through your prayers and the help of the spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. We'll stop there. But Paul has this, this rejoicing that exists because if he lives, he gets to serve Christ, which is a joy to get to serve Christ. And if he dies, he gets to go and be with Christ, which is a far greater joy, he says. He rejoices in this reality because of what he has in Christ and what does he have in Christ? What is this reality he has in Christ? Well, he fleshes it out in one of my, maybe my most favorite chapters in the Bible, Philippians chapter three, verses four through 11. Paul goes through this, this, this bragging essentially of, of all the accolades that he has. 
starting in verse four, he says, though I myself, this is Philippians three, four, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his last month, we were singing that hymn, My Worth is Not in What I Own. And it has that wonderful last line that says, uh, two, two wonders here that I confess, my worth and my unworthiness. That there is this in man and in, in, in who we are as humanity, there's, a, there's an unworthiness that God, that Jesus would give himself for us, that God would love us. And yet there's this incredible worth because we find the message of the gospel is that God does rescue us. Two wonders that we confess. I uh, Oh, it's snowing out. Did you see that? Oh, sorry. That was totally random. <laughs> I, I'm not a basketball player, like at all. And so, but I've been forced to be from various times. And we used to do this uh, during air days. We did this thing called the Brickyard Basketball. And we had a three-on-three tournament on the bricks uptown. It was a terrible court to play on. But we would we would play basketball. And believe it or not, I have a trophy from the three-on-three basketball tournament. I was on a winning team in the three-on-three basketball tournament. Now, you would think most people basketball players would not care at all about that trophy. But I remember distinctly this trophy. And why does that trophy bring me such joy? Well, I know that I had absolutely nothing to do with the winning of the trophy. Like I remember a play that they, um, the game had gone on for a long time. It was first to 15, I think, or something. And I don't think that's, I mean, maybe a layup or something, but uh, it was getting close. We were really getting down to the wire of the game. And the guy who's kind of running the ball, he says, uh, do you think you can make a, th- a three-pointer probably win the game? And I said, I'd give it a shot. And he's like, well, it'll be a wide-open shot because no one's guarding you because you're not a threat. <laughs> and so, sure, I'll, I'll try the shot. And he threw me the ball, and I, I, I don't think I airballed it, but I didn't make it. And I think the other guy put it in for a rebound. Well, so we didn't – anyway, I had nothing to do with the trophy. I, I knew my unworthiness, yet – because of the effort of a couple of other guys who were way better at basketball than me, I get the trophy. And so this brick that I now have on my, in my house is, is, is this emblem of my unworthiness. And yet what a great, what a great gift I have. And and that's the same thing. It's, It's something that by grace, I do not have. Paul rejoices that all of these things that he's piled up, all of these accolades, all of this worth, it's just nothing but refuse. It's refuse. It's just garbage. It's, it's a pile of nothing. All these accolades, all of these values, all of this worldly security. I mean, really, you think it's all of these things we're so sure of in our world. We have our bank accounts. We've got our health insurance. We've got our securities. And then things like this happen. And we find out all of these things we've put our trust in were terrible gods. <laughs> They, 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 they don't, they don't pay off at the end. They, they leave us absolutely floundering because we've trusted in things that don't have really any hope to rescue us. 
all of this worldly security is worth nothing, not because the world doesn't value it, but because it has been measured against the value of having Christ and his righteousness. The reality is no matter if you think you have the most impressive resume possible, like Paul's, or if you think you're the bottom of the barrel bad, both ends of the spectrum and every place in between does not have what it takes to be made right with God. There is no righteousness within ourselves as fallen humanity. Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. If there is to be peace, this kind of peace that we're Paul is talking about that gives him a ballast in the storm, that gives him rejoicing, whether he lives or dies, and in every abundant in every possible circumstance, to be content. That, that what gives us that that balance, what gives us that that solid ground in this peace is that we need a righteousness that we cannot create on our own. We need a righteousness from outside of ourselves, And that is exactly what Paul rejoices in, not his own, but a righteousness that comes from Christ. Paul is aware of his sin, his need for a savior, and the incredible work of Christ that accomplished that salvation. It is this knowledge that leads Paul to rejoicing no matter what outcome he faces and content in whatever circumstance he encounters. So where does that leave us then today, this morning? March 22nd of 2020, where are we resting? So much of our future, totally out of our hands. Mm -hmm. What's going to happen the rest of the day? I make this point a lot, but I mean, it's like it's front and center with all of the things that are going on. What, what, what does tomorrow hold? Will you survive? Will your money run out? Will your relationships survive? We don't know the answers to any of those questions. It may be prosperity. It may be poverty. It may be good times. It may be bad times. My call to each one of us this morning is to ground ourselves in a peace that is far greater than any circumstance, good or bad, can ever deliver. It is the peace of knowing you are in good standing with the creator of the universe. It is a peace that is only found in Christ Jesus through repentance of our sins, turning from our sin, turning to Christ by faith in his sacrifice. It is a peace that is truly found there. So my call this morning, will you ground yourself with me there this morning? Not in who I am, not in my ability to produce anything, but in Christ's ability and accomplishment of purchasing righteousness and peace with God for me. Can you rest there? Do you carry around guilt for sin? Will you confess it? Will you turn from it? Will you admit that you have turned from God and are deserving of his judgment? If so, will you now, will we now trust in Jesus and the forgiveness that comes from him alone? I pray you will. I pray we all will. Because if we will and we turn to Jesus, we will find him. You will find him to be a perfect savior. All who trust in him can rest content. He will not abandon them. As he said earlier in John 6, he will, everyone who looks to him and believes in him, he will raise them up on the last day.
That is the promise, not from me. That's the promise from Jesus to his people. All who trust in him can rest content. He will not abandon them. He will not disappoint them. He will perfectly work his purposes for the good of his children and for his glory. Let's all rest there in the solidity, in the solidness, in the firm foundation of who Christ is for his people and all that he promises to provide for us out beyond even this life into the next, raising us up on the last day for our full joy in him. Let's pray. God, help us. I want to rest in you. And I know that there's so much turmoil. There's just across the spectrum. I've talked to so many in the church this week and there's just every level of worry and, and not concern. And we're just all over the board. But God, what we need, no matter if we feel like things are at the height of as bad as they can get or if we're totally unconcerned, every one of us is in incredible need of the righteousness that comes from Christ alone, the peace that is found through Christ. And God, I pray that everyone listening this morning, following in, or even listening later, God, that you would do a work in our hearts. That God, as we lean upon you, as we trust in you, as we rely on you, we find you to be the perfect savior, bringing us peace, security, hope, joy even, and contentment in whatever our circumstances, not because we've created it, but because you have brought it to us through Christ. May it be our firm foundation, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.